Welcome to the Healthy Jacks Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you find the best ways to stay healthy and keep moving in Jacksonville. My name is Dr. Peter Yu, and I am a performance physical therapist here in Jacksonville and the host of this podcast. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with the right health and fitness information that is not only practical, but evidence-based as well. I also have the pleasure of highlighting some of the top health and fitness professionals around here so that you can stay up to date on the latest information. My goal as a performance physical therapist is to help educate and empower athletes and active adults to take control of their own health so that they can get out of pain, optimize their performance, and build true longevity for life. You can find us on Instagram at The Healthy Jacks Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. The Healthy Jacks Podcast is sponsored by MotionRx Health and Performance. At MotionRx, we specialize in helping athletes and active adults overcome injuries and get back to their sports and activities they love pain-free. Head to MotionRxHealth.com to find out how we can help you move better, feel better, and live an active, fulfilling life. All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Jacks Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Peter. Today, I have the wonderful pleasure of bringing on Mr. Chris McCaffrey. Um, He is the territorial manager for um, our local race um, and sneaker store here, First Place Sports, and he is also head coach of ITZ Running. Uh, Chris, what's up, man? Hey, Peter. Nice meeting you this morning, and uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we got a really a ton of really good topics uh, planned for you guys today, so I'm super excited. Um, Chris comes from um, a phenomenal all sorts of running background. Um, he has a ton of experience with all that, so we're super excited to kind of get a little bit into all that as well, too. So before we get started, let's uh, kind of talk about those two different questions that we hit our uh, guests on uh, this podcast, it's just to kind of give our listeners a little bit of uh, background to, you know, kind of who you are and stuff. So food tells a lot about someone you know so talk talk to us a little bit about your favorite uh, place to eat in jacks man well for sure food is life and for me anywhere i'm traveling especially when it's races uh my wife definitely knows chipotle is my number one choice uh just because it's very simple you know what you get and it's good gourmet food but here locally i would have to definitely say uh we like that kazu sushi okay we're, yeah we're over at the one in mandarin is where we live so mm-hmm. that's like our primo sushi spot and uh that's that's usually about every other week we're getting out there nice is that the uh the burrito kind of like the sushi burrito place they do make the sushi burrito but the one in mandarin is like a sit down like proper sushi style like right up at the bar i see the guys making it and uh they, they they do a great job every time. What uh what do you typically get there? Uh, you get like roll or sashimi? Uh, definitely the rolls. You know, there's a Jaguar, there's a Florida, there's a like a, a dynamite. You know, anything that has the uh, meats on top, like the salmon, the tuna. Uh, I'm a sucker for some ahi tuna. Uh, the funny story is with edamame. I didn't know you didn't eat the outer <laughs> oh, part no. uh, the, the first time on yeah. one of our dates and. Uh, it was a, a fun experience, and I'm trying to be the this man and just trying not to, uh, you know, not impress her by yeah. trying to chew this edamame shell, and I just couldn't do it, and I had this massive wad of edamame still in my mouth. <laughs> oh and my goodness! It was it was pretty funny. We did she and so she let you chew all that first before she she kind of before she <laughs> mentioned brought something. up like yeah. hey. 
you know you just eat the little bean inside and not the shell. And I was like, no, obviously not. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, man, speaking of Chipotle real quick, have you uh, tried their new brisket? Um, oh, yeah. 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 I had that the other day while I was on the road, and I saw that on the menu. I was like, oh, dude, this looks awesome, man. Lo and behold, it was phenomenal. Yeah, not all of them will have it, so you definitely have to, you know, check Location the menu specific, when you get yeah. it. Yep, yep. Cool. Um, Kazusushi, guys, um, down in Mandarin. All right, so let's go ahead. Second question. Um, you know, been through a lot. Title your tap or title your chapter, title of the chapter of your life right now. What would you kind of name it? Right now, it's definitely. I think chapter one is a good starting point. Crazy enough. Uh, and the main reason is because I am writing a book currently right now. Dude, that's awesome. And I feel like it's a good new beginning. It's a good starting. And uh, I really look forward to, you know, what it's going to kind of evolve into and how that platform is going to kind of stand for me. Dude, that's awesome. Man. Are you able to give us a little bit more uh, insight onto what, what the book is called or what it's about? Yeah. Top so secret? It's, it's not top secret. I think okay. the best thing and the best key motivator is to communicate this to as many people as possible they yeah. can hold you accountable they can motivate you on the days that you just don't want to write or you don't want to put some topics out there and uh you know i spoke with my uncle and he has written multiple books he's you know filmed multiple documentaries and in a conversation with him he kind of took it real quick and told me this is a good book title potentially and it's running through life at the right speed mm. so it kind of plays on what we're going to be talking about today with how to get started or how to refine some of your skills when it comes to running, what products might be available to you and what would be important for you to understand and kind of look at, figure out where it fits mm -hmm. and then go with it. You got to just start somewhere. For so sure. I'm looking forward to it. I love that, man. I feel like, yeah, with that being said, it's like, I feel like when it comes to running, people just think, you know, it's just one speed. It's just go, 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 go. Right. right? Whereas in reality, there's just so many different paces, um, again, depending on the race that you're running, um, as well as, you know, where you are in the race as well, too. So I love that. I'm looking forward to it, man. Um, when is it supposed to come out? So we're very much early stages. Uh, I've been pretty diligent to try to get it in motion. And uh, I really would like to try to get a script out by, um, you, know, you know, before the end of next year. So sometime in 2022 is really where I'm kind of projecting it. Um, the next six months are going to be really key um, for gathering data and, and putting a lot of the ideas out on the paper. So, Dude, that's super exciting. Yeah, thank you. Awesome, man. So how did you, you know, kind of get to where you are today? You know, you're a uh, territorial manager for First Place Sports. Um, you're also, you know, a run coach. Um, you know, what's your background? Are you Did you grow up uh, a big runner? Actually not. I, mean, I was a big soccer player, and um, the first kind of evolution story would be, you know, I did cross country my freshman year of high school uh, here locally in Jacksonville. It was for Wolfson High School, so shout out to any alumni. Go Wolfpack. And uh, I was so bad at uh, running a 5K distance that the coach at the time was uh, uh, Coach Nowicki, and, and he's a good friend, and, and I see him often now, crazy enough, in the stores. Mm -hmm. But he, he was like, man, you know, you're not fast enough. You're not going to score any points. Don't show up for the meets. Like, you'll be all right. <laughs> oh, like, no. eat cereal, watch cartoons. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it, it's funny. You know, it was, it was a good relationship. I mean, Nowicki was such a wonderful coach. I mean, what he taught me is stuff that I still use today and, and what I pass on to my clients. 
And uh, so during that time through high school, I was playing soccer and and playing hockey, driving the Zamboni here for the ice rink yeah. uh, that we have. And uh, and then I went on to college, uh, didn't play college soccer, had the opportunity, but decided to stick to my studies, sport management degree from St. Louis University. And I then moved back home to Jacksonville and uh, I was also riding motorcycles, had a motorcycle crash in 2010, actually in January. And as a lot of us have had a trauma in our lives, mm -hmm. potentially, you know, you're going to change certain things, your lifestyle, you might gain some weight, which is what I did. And I used running on the treadmill and going to the gym with a buddy as my means of, okay, I need to get back and, you know, get back into shape. And I would just run on the treadmill till he got there. And it could be five minutes, it could be 50 minutes. And wow. that's kind of where I enjoyed uh, running. And from then it stemmed on uh, to do a turkey trot. I volunteered that morning, handing out the packets. I asked mm -hmm. the race director, hey, do you mind if I jump in the race? And the guy's like, no, go ahead. And lo and behold, I ran a 17.55K and took fourth. What the heck? <laughs> I, uh, Did you, I, oh, hold on, now hold on. Did you train for this at all? Or you were just running on the treadmill? Just and, running on the treadmill. And then you just yeah, it was kind of like casually ran a 17. You know, we always have a, a mental goal of like, oh, man, I wonder how fast I could run yeah. one mile. And, uh, you know, again, this is coming from somebody who in high school couldn't run 25 minutes for a 5K. Yeah. And so I was able to get a mile time down to like a six minute. And I was like, all right, well, let's let's try for a 5K mm -hmm. and just went for it. And uh, two weeks later, there was a 10K mm -hmm. and I took third and was leading the race for the first half of the race. And in my head right then, I was like, oh, Jeez, man, I, man, I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Like, I'm not a runner. I wasn't considering myself even a runner at that point. And when I finished, uh, you know, everybody was like, man, you're such a great runner. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not a runner. And they're like, no, this no, is a mistake. You should probably look yeah. into this. Like you're, you're pretty good. And so that was, that was kind of like my starting point. And, uh, shortly after that joined a, a race team here locally in Jacksonville and, and then just really started to kind of figure out where I kind of stood. It's kind of that Jurassic park story with that Adonis Rex, like had no idea in the food mm -hmm. chain where he was at. So you just kind of jumped in a race and jumped in another race and, and kind of learned and kind of took it from there. So man, it was, uh, that's incredible, dude. I'm super fun. jealous. I mean, I wish I could go out and, you know, my first 5k just casually run the 17, 17 minutes. You said 17, what? 1750. That's, that's a so sub six minute pace, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was surprised, you know, again, when, when I was running on the treadmill, it was like, man, it would be crazy to do a six minute mile yeah. because I had never done that. And I then did a six minute mile and then I was like, man, it would be crazy to do a 5k at a six minute mile pace. Yeah. And then I did that. And then of course, you know, fast forward a little bit more, but my goal was still like, man, it would be crazy to do a marathon mm -hmm. at a six minute mile pace. And in uh, 2018, late 2018, 2019, I ran a 234 marathon, uh, here in Jacksonville and took second overall. Nice man. So was it, uh, the Ameris? Ameris. Ameris yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, it's one of my favorite marathons. It's coming up in Are December. Are you doing it uh, this year again? I, I haven't pulled the trigger. Yeah. Um, I really love the marathon, but considering uh, my goal right now is to do the Donna Marathon. Yeah. And uh, I'm just looking at maybe doing the half as a stepping stone and uh, and then, you know, come back next year and do the marathon. It, it, it's one of my favorite courses. It's, it's not... Um, 
it's not very hilly. It's pretty flat considering mm-hmm. it is it's Florida, Florida right? Jacksonville. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people may not choose to do that because they don't feel there's a lot of crowd spectation uh, if you look at it compared to Donna. Donna's mm-hmm. definitely got a lot of crowd spectation. Uh, but I also feel there's a lot of neighborhoods that we're traveling in in Mandarin. Uh, I live in that area. And so it's a lot, a lot of the same roads that I'm running every day, each mm-hmm. week. Very familiar with the and, route and everything. Yeah. So it, it just, it, it was special because that was where my first marathon was. And, uh, and I just really enjoy it. Plus, I enjoy doing the local races here. Cool, man. So how did you, like, get into coaching and all that, um, you know? You just being a naturally gifted runner, you know, you're just like, hey, right. like, well, I mean, so let me ask you this, right? Were you working with uh, somebody when um, you just kind of hopped into your first like 5K or 10K? Uh, just myself. Just yourself, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have uh, a coach and I, I mean, I had coaches in the past, but mm-hmm. it was uh, at that time I was just self-coached and I'm still self-coached uh, as it is right now. Nice, man. Um, and, and then to kind of jump into that question is, yeah, I mean, I, I started learning more about how I could become a better runner, mm-hmm. especially as I started, you know, doing a 1755 K and then doing a 10 K. And uh, I just really dove in to figuring out, okay, well, what can I be doing that can make me even better? And so I started getting a lot of certifications and doing a lot of learning. Um, I, I became a certified personal trainer. I was a good form running uh, coach that I got my certification through. I'm self myofascial technique certified through trigger point. And just each of these were stepping stones on making selfishly me mm-hmm. a better athlete and yeah. better runner. And, uh, and then I did start, uh, coaching people kind of on the side, you know, they're like, man, you know, do, do you think you can how do, tell me? How do, how right? do I become like Chris, you know? Right. Tell, and, tell me your secret. And so I would do it kind of, you know, behind the scenes. Uh, but it was in 2015 when I when I started uh, the ITZ running business. And uh, ITZ stands for In the Zone. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot with heart rate training. I understand pace training. But in, in my experience, I, uh, I've been a polar heart rate ambassador for – quite some time. And that really taught me the important muscle to figure out. Sure. If your heart's not beating, you're not alive. It does not matter. So for me, understanding, uh, the gear that my heart would be in for a training session was extremely important. Uh, I also drove like a standard shifts car Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, you know, majority of times you can be in probably second or third gear going anywhere and it's kind of the same way with training with running you get to kind of figure out how to drive in all five gears Mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes you need reverse um, (laughs) and you need to kind of see you know what happened in in order to step forward but uh, heart rate training for me has been truly my success story and understanding how it affects your body in making changes uh, is is what i teach my clients Mm -hmm. and whether they like specific heart rate training or not, they uh, they're, they're getting it, and uh, and so that's how I use it as a as a platform to to really just build the biggest, widest base of a pyramid. Yeah. You know, if you want the tallest pyramid, you have to go with the widest base. So that's kind of the approach that I that I start with each of my clients. Cool, I like that, man. So for um, our listeners out there who may not know, you know, hey, what's this like heart rate training? What is like zone training? You know, uh, talk to them a little bit about you know what exactly that means. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good research out there, and there's a lot of different types of methods. 
I always love the keep it simple style. And uh, so there's a, a simple formula. However old you are, you know, you take 220, you minus your age, and that gives you a number. So we're just going to use simple numbers here. Say you're a 40-year-old male. Uh, so you take 220 minus your age. That's 180. So that would be the max heart rate that you should look to sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, and this wouldn't be for an hour. This is like a very short amount of time. Imagine flooring your car and redlining, and that's that heart rate. So you wouldn't floor your car going to the grocery store or going from here to California. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe if you're my wife, you know, she's got a heavier <laughs> foot. So she she definitely drives a little bit a little bit stronger. But imagine just doing those general daily tasks. Like that's going to be like that lower heart rate zone. So your general running uh, is going to be in that zone two, uh, maybe into that zone three. So how you figure out, okay, well, what's zone one? Yeah, zone so how, two, many, zone how many three. zones are there? I would think five is a good number. Five zones, right, yeah. And so what you're doing is you're going to take that 180 in our example, and if you times it by uh, 0.5, 0.6, that's kind of like your zone one kind of training. So 50, 60% of your max heart rate. And then you go from 60 to 70% would be that zone two. And then 70 to 80 is that zone three. 80 to 90 is that zone four, or what a lot of people call that tempo training. Mm -hmm. And then zone five would be 90 to max. And uh, where you're going to find that 90 to max, if you're looking at uh, a one mile race, a two mile race, maybe a 5k Mm -hmm. really just depends on the individual. And when you're looking at that zone four, you know, that could also be that two, three, four, five mile, um, 10 K, uh, type of a heart rate. And then, uh, we have the gate river run coming up, which is, uh, an exciting 15 K that's where maybe that zone three or that mid range 70 to 80% is where you want your heart rate to kind of sit at just because it's a longer race. Sure. And, uh, if somebody's going to take 10 minutes a mile to do that race, that's 90 minutes. So imagine being full flat out for 90 minutes. <laughs> oh man. You, you may not be able it's to tough. make it. Yeah. I mean, you're talking somebody who can go flat out for an hour is an elite, mar- you know, half marathoner where these guys are doing 13.1 miles in 57, 58 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's flat out. Uh, in cycling, they do a, a velodrome 60 minute distance test. And, and that's kind of to really figure out who is the strongest cyclist. They, they use this 60 minute kind of pain train approach to, to really figure out who's the best cyclist in the world. Is it pretty much just like our 60 minutes go all out, you're you know, going push it to the max. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. when 6001 hits, you're almost dead. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like you're, you're falling off the bike. Somebody has got to catch you. You finish the race and you're just collapsing. Um, you know, so that's when you have full flat out effort for mm-hmm. 60 minutes. Now that's a very trained athlete. So for most of us, you know, that 30 to 40, 45 minute window is where we could probably sustain that flat out type mm-hmm. of an effort. So that could be a 5k, maybe a 10k distance for most people. Cool. And so like when people are training, where do you typically want people to be um, in terms of like their, you know, heart heart rate uh, training or, you know, what zone should they typically be in yeah. um, and whatnot? Yeah. So a lot of approaches to a lot of things, whether it's marketing, whether it's running, uh, there's that 80, 20 principle. A lot of people talk about this 80, 20 rule. So for this example, where our heart rate should be is 80% of our training should be in those lower heart rate zones. Mm -hmm. And I would say 
Um, you know, depending on the type of year and the periodization of your training, majority of it should be in that zone two. And, uh, and then that 20%, that would be in that zone four or five, mm-hmm. um, and even less in five and a little bit more in four. Um, because you got to think like flat out hammering it full gas pedal, like that takes a big wear and tear on the body mm-hmm. still necessary to get some sort of physiological response. Sure but it's not sustainable. You can't go flat out all the time, every time. Uh, I mean, unless you're a power lifter and it is very important to hit those max lifts, those max efforts, but you look at the power lifter, they're gonna take that lift and then they're gonna take a significant amount of time before they make that next lift to get that full recovery. For sure, and like even with like powerlifting and stuff, like it's only until like, you know, maybe the two, two or three weeks before me day, are they ever hitting, you know, maybe 90% or higher right. majority of the time, right. They're still staying below, you know, 80% or exactly. below 90% of their one rep max and just kind of hovering training around that 70 to 80%. As yeah. Well too. That's so that, kind of similar concept. They, yeah. they talk about that, like sharpening the sword st- mm-hmm. style. Like it's uh it's, it's more beneficial to take two hours to sharpen your blade uh, before you start, uh, then try to just start whacking away with a, with a dull knife, you yeah. know, kind of a thing. So, um, that zone two training is, is that key kind of component that you got to imagine your body's trying to learn how to be efficient and, uh, and how to, you know, become a better runner. Mm-hmm. You have to get those little efficiencies. Um, another thing that I talk about with, with some of my clients is creating a higher floor and ceiling. Mm-hmm. And so what you're doing is, uh, and this might resonate with a lot of your listeners, uh, you might find like, oh, I'm going to take it easy today. So your paces, we're going to use a 10 minute pace. Oh, it's, I'm going to take it easy today. Oh, and then I'm going to do a, a 5k race and your 5k race effort is a 930 pace. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to go a little longer. So I'm going to go a little a slower pace. And you're going to do a 1030 slower pace. Well, that has a one-minute floor to ceiling. Right. Your fastest <laughs> it's not is very, 930. Yeah, it's not and very your long. slowest is 1030. Well, in my example, um, I'll, I'll use me as an example, and then I'll use another athlete. I, on an easy long run day, uh, with our weather being as nice as it is right now, mm-hmm. I could do a very easy run at a nine minute pace mm-hmm. and have a very, very low heart rate. Yeah. Um, and then you're coming from a guy who can race at a five minute mile. Mm-hmm. So you're talking, that's four minutes. That's, that's a big uh, floor to ceiling. Now let's put it into what I would say an, a normal um, you know, type of a scenario. So my wife, for example, um, she's going to run about an eight minute mile for her 5k mm-hmm. and on her long runs, she can do an 11 minute to an 11 30 or 12 minute mile. Cool. So there's that four minute window as well. And that just gives you a more reasonable approach. Cause again, you're, you're trying to drive a car for the first time. You're not mm-hmm. going to go 90 miles an hour. Well, most of you may not go 90 <laughs> miles an hour on 95 for the first time when you're driving, you're gonna sit in a parking lot and you're gonna learn how to start, how mm-hmm. to stop, how to make turns, how to negotiate, how to put your turn signals on. And that's what you're teaching your body when you're doing these lower heart rate zones. When your heart rate is lower, your pace is definitely gonna be lower, yep. but you're trying to keep certain other components at a efficient level. So um, as, a, as a tip, one of those things is cadence, and, and you might hear that word or some of you might not know that word, and that's how many steps you take in a minute. 
So when somebody hears, oh, I need to run slower, they also move slower. And that should not be the case. Yep. It's, uh, again, in a standard shift car, you can be at 2,000 RPMs in first gear, second, third, fourth, fifth. And that's what you need. You need the RPMs up. So you need that around 180 steps per minute, whether you're going a 12-minute pace, a 10-minute pace, an 8-minute pace, or a 5-minute pace. Around that. You know, so you still need those the cadence to be there, and that's the efficiency factor where your body learns to adapt and adopt that efficient foot strike and uh, and and how you can progress your running. Mm-hmm. And over time, you will then your easy day will get faster. So sure, man. Um, I know we just uh, talked a little bit about cadence, but um, you know what's like the average cadence that people should be at then? Yeah, so that's that one eighty or yeah. about ninety steps uh, per leg. Uh, it, it's an easy way to uh figure that out so when you're running uh, i would recommend doing this in the kind of warming up or the first few minutes of your run is for one minute uh count just one leg how many times it hits the ground yeah and uh and so that number needs to be close to 90. Um, you could be 85 you could be 95 every body is different leg lengths are different efficiency is different but you're trying to shoot towards that 90 give or take you know five steps up or down mm-hmm. um what i've seen a lot in clients who first come to me and and they've not had great success in meeting their goals is when we look at their cadence it's in the 70s or um in the 60s even that i've seen oh wow and what that means is imagine walking up a flight of stairs um taking one step at a time is pretty normal and efficient for most anybody to do if you have a lower cadence imagine that means you're taking two steps per stride which means it might still take you the same amount of energy to get to the top of the flight of stairs Mm -hmm. by physics but it's going to require more energy per step so it it requires you to do a lot more work per stride sure then you know what let's dial it back spend less energy and we're still going to use the same amount over the course of a mile Mm -hmm but you're not loading that body in that, um, you know, huge amount of effort per stride. It's funny that you mentioned that. Um, There's a super, like, one of the first things that we take a look at with people in knee pain is really just their cadence, right? And so, like, um, I think it's it's called, like, the 20-25 rule, um, where it's, like, a 5% increase in your cadence can lead to a 20% reduction in loading at the knee. Wow, and that's great research. Yeah, so it's basically just, uh, again, still the same forces going through your body every single time you take a step, but, again, you're just redistributing the forces more towards the ankle and the hip. So right. it's like, again, right, you, you have somebody who's who maybe already have like a high, pretty high cadence around 180, but they're still dealing with knee pain, have them bump it up to even like 190 or 200. And then all of a sudden, again, it's just one of those low hanging fruits that they're able to adjust pretty quickly. So, yeah. yeah. And, and that's an easy approach to take in that warm up time, you know, spend the 10 minutes, um, you know, try a minute, very slow cadence mm-hmm. and see what your body thinks and then try it at a, a crazy high cadence, right? Like that 200 yep. and, and you're almost going to be taking like so many tiny little steps. And then what you're going to do in that next minute, you're going to find somewhere in the middle, figure out what that natural balance. And, uh, it, it happens a lot. Um, you know, uh, I play golf and I enjoy it as like a, a, a fun thing to do outside nice. of running and yeah. cycling and, and certain things. So in order to understand like, a lot of people slice it or a lot of people hook it. Well, okay, well, that's a great understanding of your parameters. You need to figure out, okay, well, let's forcibly go on this uh, hook 
for a few balls mm-hmm. and let's forcibly go on a slice for a few balls. Yeah. And then your body, because you're an athlete, all of us are athletes. Congratulations, if you didn't already know that. If you have a body, you're an athlete. That is true. Yeah. Uh, then your body naturally will just be an athlete. Let your body be the athlete in that moment instead of the analyst and just swing. And you'll find that you'll start fine tuning that. And uh, so in the cadence drill, go for a low cadence for 30 seconds or a minute, go for a high cadence, 30 seconds, a minute, and then just let your body naturally find something that you're like, okay, those are way too extreme. Mm -hmm. Let me just figure out a natural and then go run. Like after that 10 minutes, don't think about cadence. Just go do it. Just go run because you probably are using running to clear your head, get, you know, get time away, or, you know, maybe that's where your ideas or your creative thinking comes in. But then if you were to try to think about cadence during your 45 minute run, like you're going to go nuts. Mm-hmm. You're going to go crazy. Like you're, you're not going to enjoy that time away. So just spend five to 10 minutes at the beginning and maybe five to 10 minutes at the end for your warming up and warming down type phases. And uh, over the course of six months or eight months or a year, however long it might take, your body will naturally kind of create that efficiency. So that's a great little tip for you guys. Is there like a, I guess, like acceptable range um, of deviations with cadence, right? For example, like you have to say you have, you know, somebody who's like 6'6", right? His cadence, just because of how long his legs are, is going to be probably naturally a little bit slower than like somebody who maybe be only like five foot. Right, just because right. he's t- turning his foot um, at a slower pace than uh, someone who's shorter. So, like, it, do you find like out of the people that you work with, you know, there's maybe like an acceptable range of maybe like you know, over or under ten. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, individualized uh, efforts are going to be specific. You know, it's subjective to that person and and that five foot person. You know, if we understand like, okay, their cadence is going to be you know one eighty one ninety, kind of within that range. Uh, well, let's ask a question. How do you feel? Are you are yeah, you feeling I mean, like you're like losing out? Do you feel like you're getting tired sooner? You know, where do we change it? So then you could still take that rule. Okay, this is where you're at. Let's try. Let's go lower cadence. Let's okay. go higher cadence. Let's see where you're going to figure out in the middle. And again, you can take that approach to kind of fine tune that person. But yeah, no, there's no one like 180 isn't the golden rule. Like, yeah. don't just try to go and and make it 180. And you're looking at your watch, and it needs to be not. No, no, no. It it needs to be a natural ability. Um, some of us are right-handed. Some of us are left-handed. There's no right way to hold a you know a pencil or a pen, but it's figuring out what's your body's most best yeah. way to to become efficient because we grow up differently your body's developed differently mm-hmm. and uh but there is a way to figure out where your efficiencies are kind of lies right and, yeah. yeah and then and then just kind of exploit them and uh and then let them grow mm-hmm. and uh, and strengthen them cool man yeah it's like i feel like there's so many little little techniques like this you know cadence we just talked about you know uh zone training heart rate um stuff like that in order to kind of maximize your running performance right and so um for somebody who you know wants to run for the first time for example like um you know the gate river runs super huge race here in jacksonville you know how do they go about you know training for that yeah yeah um, if they haven't like run before you know do they kind of take into considerations all these different things like what are some of the main key points that somebody should kind of hit um you know, before entering a race, you know, should they train, like start training maybe the week before? Should, should they train like three, yeah. three, three months leading up to it? Like what are your kind of recommendations for? Yeah. Great like question. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely say a good majority of people are going to start in January and, uh, there's definitely going to be that small, you know, on the, on the wings of the, uh, bell curve, somebody's going to start a week out yeah. and, uh, and, and they're going to finish it. Um, 
you know, but natural athletes like yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. And, uh, and and some people, you know, it, it, they need to start now. Mm -hmm. Again, if, if this is a very new goal for you to, to complete, um, you know, 9.3 miles is a 15 kilometer distance and it's not a flat 15 K there's two bridges. You go over the main street first and then the final kind of big challenge is just after, you know, seven and a half miles, you're going to be going over the Hart Bridge, and that is not a small bridge. Uh, equally, last year we had a headwind that really <laughs> made it extra challenging, and in it, it's something that you would like to have the tools in your pocket to make sure that you can overcome certain obstacles during that race. Mm-hmm. So starting now, of course, is, you know, the best time to plant an orange tree would have been five years ago, because now you would have oranges. The next best time to plant an orange tree is today. <laughs> Dude, I've never heard that analogy. Really? I love uh, it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So the next best time is today. Oh, yeah. Sure, you could plant one in a month <laughs> from now, but then you're just going to kind of miss out on a month of growth and learning that yeah. you, you can may not have those out. ripe oranges in time. Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, you definitely need those oranges on the river run. I think it's in that St. Nicholas neighborhood. There's a house that hands out orange slices right before you get to the Hart Bridge. It's wonderful. Um, and, and they always try to be out there just like the guy handing out donuts around mile, uh, uh, just before mile four, kind of right there on the river. Um, so if you need a donut at that point in the race, uh, they got you covered right there. There's a couple of like people who like hand out beers and stuff too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, you see shots, (laughs) fireball, you know, all the above. It's, it's a, it's a fun party that the spectators get to enjoy Mm -hmm. as well as the athletes, uh, with the pandemic and, you know, getting 9,000 people to cross the finish line this year was such a wonderful experience. And the people that came out to support that race, mm-hmm. I think really made that race even more special that we were able to, to all enjoy together. Uh, but to go back to kind of the training of it, yes, you need to probably have a plan, uh, start now and keep it simple. Again, it does not require you to run every day. It does not require you to run for hours every day. Think of where the time is that you can start. And I like to tell people, start with 20 minutes twice a week. And maybe on the weekends, you can do something a little bit longer, maybe 30 or 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. And from that, you're then just going to expand just a a little bit each week. Um, There's a a rule called like the 10% rule. Mm -hmm. So don't don't increase whatever it is more than 10% overall each week. So say our example is uh, 20 minutes on Tuesday, 20 minutes on Thursday, and somebody's going to spend 40 minutes on Saturday. So that right there is 80 minutes. So going next week, you could probably do a total of about 90 minutes, and that's a safe, appropriate loading that that body should be able to handle. Yeah. Do you typically... um calculate uh loading through time on feet or through total miles so uh time on the dance floor right so for an example uh you run an eight minute mile i run a 10 minute mile if we both run for 30 minutes uh i would have ran three miles and you would have Mm -hmm. ran almost four miles Mm -hmm. at that point if we both said let's let's run only three minutes you would have only gotten about 24 25 minutes and I would have gotten 30 minutes if we went strictly miles. So for some people to sell them, all right, let's do nine miles 
it might put them a lot longer on their feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for somebody who's a little faster, a lot less time on their feet. So it just depends, again, on what that athlete's capabilities are. But I do like to use time, time on, on the feet, feet yeah. because your heart has no idea how far mm-hmm. you ran. It just knows how long you've been at a certain level of intensity. Mm-hmm. So this is why like big machinery is never, uh, there's never an odometer on the, the gauges. Mm-hmm. It's always hours. So they don't tell you a big caterpillar doesn't drive 10,000 miles. Mm-hmm. It works 50,000 hours. And so that just understands because there's an engine, there's components to that engine, there's nutrition and there's hydration, there's fuel that needs to come in and there's lubrication that needs to happen. So with our bodies, our heart has no idea how far you went. It just knows how long it's been working at that intensity. Dude, I love that. I've never actually thought about it like that just because again, it almost kind of allows you to like auto-regulate your system, right? So for example, like, you know, you, you need to go out and run like 30 minutes, right? But again, um, you know, say, previously the night before you may not have had like a ton of sleep right it doesn't really matter if you need to hit like say like all right i know i need to hit 10 miles no i just know i need to go out and just run 30 minutes and again it's my body for x amount of time i like that i never never thought about it yeah it's in again when you can focus strictly if you can really focus strictly on heart rate and it would be the best because of understanding that your heart rate is your barometer for your body and and almost a thermostat for your body of understanding like okay, yeah, if I got great sleep and oh, now the weather's 50-something degrees outside, I've, I've had good nutrition, I've had good hydration, well, yeah, you're going to be able to run farther in an hour mm-hmm. than, oh, you know what, uh, the, the baby got up multiple times to, you know, in, in the middle of the night, I got maybe an hour, I you know, had poor nutrition, I maybe drank a, a glass of water yeah. and four cups of coffee the day before. Like, you think you're going to run as far or feel as good? No. And so, you know, when I talk to my clients and I understand like we're on a time-based type of a a schedule versus versus mileage. Mm -hmm. Now I I sprinkle in both, but understanding that like, Hey, I just need you to move for 30 minutes, whatever you feel. If you want to walk for 30 minutes, guess what? That is beneficial. Walking is still racing and it's still important for your body to move. And, uh, as opposed to, Oh man, I need to get in six miles. Like you're going to out motivate yourself to like not go do six miles if you're not feeling great Mm -hmm. because you just know how daunting of a task that is. Um, But if you say, oh, I just need 40 minutes, okay, I'm just going to go out 20 minutes and see where my body feels and then turn around and come back. Like you're going to complete that session Mm -hmm. significantly more times than if you have this like daunting task of trying to hit mileage. Yeah. And it's just at the same point, if you feel good. Capitalize it. You can add another 10 minutes or 15 minutes and that's not going to affect anything. That's if anything, that's going to be beneficial. So my clients know that if they need to add a little bit of time because they feel too good, mm-hmm. you need to go with it. You need to work that into, you know, your plan in understanding, like, I, I'm going to try to do my best to figure you out, but you know your body the best. And if you do not feel good, you need to shut it down mm-hmm. or, or go easier. Or if you feel really good, you need to go a little harder or you need to go a little longer I like that and it's great I think I've I don't know who it was but I heard this uh, somewhere where it's like um, there's only kind of two rules uh, when it kind of comes to like uh, any kind of like training plan right um, one you know have have a training plan that progressively advances you right and overloads Correct. it yeah. and then second rule is you know don't be afraid to deviate from the plan yeah. if it doesn't work right so again number one rule is let's always listen to your body 
Yes. Right? So again, yeah. like, okay, on the days that's not feeling good, okay, hold back a little bit. And then on the days where it is feeling good, you know, maybe let's push it a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. I like yeah. That. I like uh, the time on feet. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely, you know, one of those things that yeah, it's not set in stone. You don't, it's not a, it's not a specific recipe or an order of operations that has to happen in a certain way. It's, it's a conversation with your body. You know, how are you feeling today? If you feel great, all right, let's do this. Mm -hmm. If you're not feeling great, guess what? Just move it one more day. It's, it's really not going to affect as a coach. If my athletes tell me they're not feeling it that day, I'm going to hundred percent rather them push it back a day yeah. or push it to the afternoon. What's, what's going to happen? What's the worst thing that can happen if you don't, you know, complete it on that day, right? You're just push it exactly. one, back, one day back. Yeah. It, it is not going to affect one little day is not going to affect. And for the most point, like them pushing that one day back is then going to force them not to push other days back. Sure. Whereas if they tried to push it that day and then they overdid it, now they could get an injury or yep. they can get sick. And now they're going to miss significantly more days than if they just miss one day. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. So, um, listen to your body, um, and then time on feet. What else? Uh, what else should somebody kind of take into account? Uh, I know we kind of went on a little bit tangent of a tangent there, but um, you know, going back to kind of prepping for you know the Gate River Run, uh, what else should somebody uh, kind of take into consideration? Yeah. So, products. Uh, there's a lot of good resources out there for everybody to get started, and training plans, and understanding your heart rate or how your body feels. But equally, at the same time, like you can't have a supercar and just use golf cart tires. Certain things will allow the body to perform at certain levels a lot easier or with, with less effort. Mm -hmm. And so understanding products that can help assist your body into completing uh, or competing at the Gate River Run uh, are gonna be like foam rollers, proper socks, apparel, and of course footwear. You know, what you're going to put on your foot is going to be a big factor in how you can perform. Uh, for footwear, and, and in my experience, you know, working in the running stores and retail and in the world for the last decade, there is, uh, most people understand there's two big categories. There's a support category or stability type of a category and a neutral category. And within those categories, there's different levels of support. And there's also different levels of cushioning. Mm -hmm. And so for, for somebody to just guess and grab something, you have a endless number of opportunities for you to get it wrong. I'm going to pick the one that looks <laughs> the coolest. And, and, and get it right. You know, it, your, your probability of getting successfully the right shoe is going to be a little lower than coming into a store, having a staff member being able to visually look at you, have a conversation and understanding where it is you're starting from, what is your goal, how are you looking to, you know, take this approach and how often you're going to be running. And uh, for some cases in that conversation, it's understand, okay, if you're somebody who's running four days a week, five days a week, and you're running 45 minutes to an hour each time during the week, and then you run for two hours on the weekend, you're going to probably need more products to get you across, you know, the finish line than somebody who is just starting out. Mm -hmm. uh, understanding that shoes are like tires, there's a mileage and they do wear out over time. And so again, if we look at like time on the dance floor or miles, because a lot of shoes are, you know, 300 to 500 miles that a shoe could last. Mm -hmm. 
And there's also variables there. You know, what's your, you know, are you running on a treadmill? Are you running outside? You know, are you five foot tall and, and you weigh X? Are you six foot tall and you weigh Y? You know, those are factors that, you know, you need to look into and understand, okay, well, having that conversation, getting the right footwear, having multiple shoes to try because you don't know what you don't know, but then you'll figure out certain things that you really like or that you feel will allow that shoe to disappear on your foot. And that's a, a conversation when I have with, you know, clients or athletes, as I call everybody who walks through the store, with that athlete who comes in, who needs a shoe, I want that shoe to be on their foot, they need to feel it, and then they need to not ever think about that shoe ever again until it hits its end of life. And that's very important because if you're not thinking about your shoe, it doesn't require any sort of brain energy, which your brain uses 20% of the energy of your body. So if you don't have to think, you can use that energy towards the activity that you're doing. And so it is very important for that shoe to just disappear. Now there's also other shoes that will be very present, but they're encouraging maybe your motivation of speed or skill or certain things. There's a lot of these new shoes that have come out in the last few years that have super shoes, huh? Super shoes. That is it. Those carbon plated shoes or, you know, certain types of, uh, proprietary foam that these companies have, have developed and built. I personally have used a few of them myself. I've really enjoyed them, Mm -hmm. but the way that I use it is a means to make myself more efficient by not feeling the fatigue. And that's truly what these super foams are doing and what these carbon plates are, are helping these athletes do is, is they're not feeling that fatigue as fast as they normally would with a regular foam. It doesn't mean that those shoes that aren't the super shoes aren't something that's beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. Like it's beneficial, but these just take it to that next level. And I get it asked all the time, like, well, who is that shoe designed for? I said, well, it's designed for any athlete who likes one, the way that that feels, because it will feel different. Mm-hmm. And two, who understands the performance factor of that shoe. Okay. So I need to be, you know, so the, the quote would be, okay, so I need to be somebody who's doing like an 18 minute 5k to, to use that shoe. Not the case. No, like that shoe is going to help that person run an 18 minute 5k and maybe drop it to maybe a 17 minute 5k. Mm-hmm. But if somebody is doing a, a 36 or a 40 minute 5k, like you could get more efficient because now you might lessen the blow of running because running is trauma to the body mm-hmm. and it's your body's ability to absorb and, and, uh, and take that trauma. Um, so somebody who's running a 36 minute 5k can put that super shoe on as long as it's fit and it's, it's for them, we're going to say, but then they could drop it to a 30 minute 5k. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen, I've seen that I've, I've yeah. had these, these stories of these people coming in and they're like, I ran a minute and a half faster mm-hmm. per mile. They, they've like done research on those, like these super shoes that we're talking about with like, especially the carbon fiber plated ones where like the return on energy um, that it basically puts back into your foot that you're pushing off is like, I forgot what percentage it was, but it was like something ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, yeah and it depends on that it. person yeah. too, right? You know, again, there's a lot of excess factors that it, it's tough to pinpoint one exact, you know, one size fits all. But There's definitely multiple times where, again, somebody who is going to try to run a 5K, they're going to slow themselves down because of the feeling of fatigue um, significantly faster, and they're going to kind of 
hedge their their body against that mm-hmm. by you know reducing the pace, walking, taking a break. But if you have a shoe that allows your body not to get fatigued, then you get to sustain that same effort for a longer period of time. So it is beneficial in 5Ks, but these super shoes, again, they're going to be even more beneficial the longer the race is because it's longer time mm-hmm. to delay that type of fatigue. So, But it is better to just have that conversation with, with somebody who knows shoes, somebody who can help fit you because that, that shoe is not your training shoe. That shoe is a complement to what you're already training in. Mm-hmm. Imagine having a uh, a reasonably priced car, as they would say in Top Gear, if, yeah. you, if you watch that. You need your four-door sedan that's good gas mileage that can get you around uh, to the grocery store to work mm-hmm. safely and often. And that's your daily commuter. It's a daily driver, yeah. On the weekends, guess what? You might like to go cruise it with a two two-seated fast sports car with the convertible top down and just enjoy the sun driving out on the beach, you know, whatever it needs to be. You need that then second shoe to be able to have that fun experience. Mm -hmm. Equally, if you're trying to have a family vacation from here down to the keys, you're going to want that like four door, three row, big SUV Mm -hmm. to be able to pack everything in and go on that long haul type of a journey. So in, in my eyes and in how I communicate to a lot of the athletes that walk into the store or my own athletes that I get the privilege to coach, having two, three shoes in your arsenal, Mm -hmm. I think is a a good way to approach kind of running and uh, imagine uh, golfing. You could use a seven iron and you could go play golf and you could enjoy it. But the sport allows up to 14 clubs. So if you can get more clubs in the bag, you get to be more specific, more dialed in. You get to be less, you know, imagination necessary to complete the task. Mm-hmm. And and that's good because it doesn't require energy when you're trying to run. Like if you have to think while you're running, it's really tough to get it right. You need to just be able to not necessarily think go do it, go enjoy it, because that's why you're doing it. You're needing the, you know, the endorphins, the dopamine, the, the certain chemicals that your body creates that make you feel good uh, when you go run. So when, you, when you're golfing, you have the multiple clubs because you know this club goes exactly 100 yards, and mm-hmm. I'm 100 yards from the flag, so I'm going to get it right in the hole. Yeah, you're well prepared for this exact scenario or situation that you may find yourself in. Yeah. yeah. So that that's that's kind of the way that you would look at what products you would need. You know, again, I mentioned foam rollers. That is a, a like a deal breaker if a client tells me like they don't have a foam roller, then I'm like I'm not able to coach you because Why is that? Because it, it's it's the easiest one tool. One you're going to have it a lot longer than your shoes. And yeah. imagine it's your toothbrush for your muscles. You wouldn't leave home without your toothbrush if you're going on vacation. Uh, You wouldn't not brush your teeth for a week or a month if you've been eating food. And foam rolling at least is something that it gives you, one, the opportunity to be one with your body. You have to be present when you foam roll in the sense that you have your leg on top of the roller. If something is tight or restricted, you're going to know it. Like if you have poor range of motion when you're getting on top of this roller and you now have evidence to then take that and use it to then, okay, I need to do certain other exercises. I need to strengthen my calves more. I need to potentially seek the assistance of a a dentist or a 
doctor, you know, a, a, a PT or something like that. You need the evidence to bring that to somebody to say, hey, this is what's been going on. I've noticed my calves have been significantly tighter after doing some foam rolling uh, for the last three weeks. Okay, well, now the follow-up question, say, for instance, you know, Dr. Peter, you would come up with was, okay, well, what activities are you doing or what activities have you changed mm -hmm. to figure out, okay, well, where where's this coming from? Where's this, where's this fire getting started? You know, where's the fuel coming from? And so having that foam roller, having that time with your body, it's three to five minutes, just like brushing your teeth. Don't spend hours on it. It's just that quick routine maintenance just to kind of check in with the body. But at the same point, it does, there's good research to show it does help improve some blood circulation. And again, it's specificity of the sport. If you're doing things and you're you're hitting those muscles that you're using as your drivers for running, like your glutes, your calves, your quads, you are then going to understand where there's limitations. And so if you can check in with those, clean them up, your body is going to perform at a better level than if you didn't do it before activity. And so there's, there's great times to foam roll before um, activity, after activity, but also equally when you wake up and right before bed. Uh, those are four big times that I like to just have people get on a roller three to five minutes. It doesn't take long. And the benefits that you're going to get out of that are outweighing like not doing it easily. Like it, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. Um, I, I would, I would I'd be curious to get your approach on, on, on foam, foam rolling. rolling now, now yeah, seeing that. I don't know. It's just, um, like, do you find me, that would be beneficial for clients to have something like that? Yeah. I, I think it's definitely good just because again, it's, you know, something super simple that they're able to kind of access and kind of perform on, on themselves. Um, but in terms of like absolute necessity, I don't think it's something that everybody absolutely needs to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. Mick, I've, I've mixed feelings of on foam rollers. They've kind of changed over the years as, um, you know, just more and more, again, research kind of comes out and stuff. But kind of what we're seeing, seeing now is um, foam rolling kind of just provides more kind of just like a sensory change. Right. Because, right. again, there's like people who, again, have full range of motion. Right. But then they complain of like that tightness. Right. So, again, they hop on a foam roller. Right. And again, their range of motion stays exactly the same. But then they report that the sensation changes. Right. So kind of how I like to, again, have may recommend people use foam rollers, A, if they really enjoy it. Right. So, again, with kind of what uh, you're mentioning, right, it's almost kind of like a routine for you. Right. Right. And again, sometimes having a regular routine regular routine can be beneficial can be good right so again if it's like something in somebody's routine then yeah go go for it right it's definitely not going to harm you um but at the same time um you know i don't really necessarily see that hey it's it'll prove um someone's performance that much more i think like um certain things such as you know getting enough sleep um right pro yeah proper nutrition is going to be like a little bit more of kind of like more bang for your buck if you will but again, at the end of the day, you know, it's not going to kill you. Uh, it's not definitely not going to harm you. Um, so again, if somebody really enjoys it, then I'm like, hey, go go for it. Um, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah, sleep definitely is, is one of those things. And I know you and I both are Whoop fans and understanding the data that those uh, devices provide. Uh, sleep is definitely a big, big factor into, you know, performance. And again, I, I can't stress enough that, Anybody who walks in uh, to a first place sports store or anybody who comes in contact with me, I look at them as an athlete Yeah. because you have to consider yourself as an athlete to understand sleep is 
like the golden ticket. It's for like a lot it's of such a cool way to hack your recovery almost. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you? Uh, how long have you had your whoop? Uh, I've had it for over a year or almost a year now. Nice. Um, yeah, I think how, October. Ever since I got my whoop, I've like just I guess I don't know if it's just the device telling me, but I've noticed my sleep has significantly gone up. I've usually only before I had it, I think I was averaging about six hours of sleep. Then like, now I'm like, Oh, I need to get in the green. I need to get yeah. at least seven, seven to eight hours of sleep. That's so, fun. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a quick story, um, that I, that I've, I came across and, uh, it was a hotel chain Yeah. and healthcare and, and insurance with a lot of big chains are very important. Obviously they spend a lot of money on it. So they asked the staff who, you know, would come in, clean the rooms, and they said, how, how physically active and how healthy do you feel you are? And a lot of them actually did not rate themselves very healthy and didn't feel like their job was very active. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is house, clean, you know, house cleaning. This is like stripping beds, moving mattresses, like vacuuming your household cleaning type of activities. Yeah. Well, so what they did was they put activity trackers on, you know, the staff and they measured them for a month. And so they used like a month data mm-hmm. of their activities and they came back and they said majority of you the average was taking 35 to 40,000 steps a day and was moving for nearly 12 to 14 hours a day and burning over 2500 almost 3,500 calories. And once the data was out there to the staff, Mm -hmm. they then waited a few months and then they re-questioned them all again. And they felt that all of their numbers, all of their health numbers went down, like in a good way. So they they felt like they were healthier. Uh The fact that they now knew their job was actually beneficial physically and, you know, everything else their numbers starting so that that's that's coming against your you know when you track something it will change yeah and and a lot of times it will change in a good way this is why somebody could purchase a a training plan and it will help them Mm -hmm. but if you get the assistance of a coach or somebody helping fit you for shoes the benefits are going to be significantly more because now there's eyes on it Mm -hmm. there's understanding there's that data that that person can analyze or you can analyze and you get to take that and change it. And, uh, and that, that, that was something that was really fun to read and uh, learn about that research. Mm-hmm. No, that's a all super cool story. And especially, yeah, you almost kind of use it as like a placebo almost if you want in, in a good way. Um, so yeah, well, Chris, awesome, man. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. I know you're su- pleasure. Su- super busy and everything. Um, this is, dude, this is super fun, man. Uh, super, a lot of cool insight onto, you know, heart rate training, um, as well as, uh, training plans. Um, so you mentioned your next race is Donna, right? Yeah, the big one that I'm planning for is Donna cool. in, in February. Are you going to be doing the get yourself? That's a, It's a pretty quick turnaround, right? I it's think about it's a month. About, like, about yeah, because yeah, Donna yeah. this year is an earlier February time, and then Gate River Run is going to be in the first week first of March. First week of March, right? Yep. Yeah, and you're doing that as well, too? I would. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those bucket list items that you just got always got to tick off gotcha. each year. Cool. Sounds good, man. Um, Chris, where can people get in contact with you, man? Yeah. So, uh, if you're looking more on the coaching side, yeah. I've, I've got a website, uh, itzrunning.com. Uh, equally you could go to itzracing.com. That gives you the same, same landing page there with, uh, my information. If you're, uh, coming into the stores, there's a good chance you're going to find me either at our Bay Meadows or our new 210 locations. Uh, but you can email me Chris, C-H-R-I-S at 
firstplacesports.com, and that's using the number one ST for first. Uh, so that's Chris at firstplacesports uh, with an S at the end.com for email. Cool. Awesome, man. Are you on uh, Instagram, TikTok? Oh, yeah. Snapchat? Not TikTok, but definitely Instagram, Facebook, uh, McCaffrey underscore Chris or uh, ITZ uh, running on Instagram. And uh, McCaffrey is uh, A-F-F-R-E-Y. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, especially if you guys um, are looking to start the Gate River Run, hit up Chris uh, for some training training plans, um, get you in the right gear for uh, maybe a PR, the PR the Gate River Run. And then, yeah, hit him up for some shoes as well. Thanks again, Dr. Peter. All right, awesome. We'll see you guys uh, next episode. Cool. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. You can find us on Instagram at The Healthy Jacks Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and let us know if you have any topics or guests that you would like us to bring onto the show. Thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, Stay healthy and keep moving, Jacksonville.